Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we are exploring and analyzing and questioning and wondering about this digital revolution that has overtaken our world, especially in the last several months, as all of our lives, personal, professional, have been turned upside down by the pandemic. And we're adjusting to a new way of doing things, propelled in some cases by, enriched in some cases by, and I think in some cases, it is this digital revolution is baffling us in some ways as we move forward. And one of our monthly guests, one of our digital all-stars is Charlie Ara Charles Araujo. And Charlie is gonna speak with us today about some new ideas that he has about how leaders drive change in organizations through these transformations and how this new world, this new order, this new way of doing things is calling for a new type of leadership. It's something that Charlie's been involved with a lot with his thinking and his work. And uh, it is a, a powerful, powerful new force. So Charlie, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We look forward to hearing some of your thoughts. Thank you very much. And, and I'm excited to talk about what, what these are actually sort of old ideas repackaged with a, a new veneer because they're, they're finding newfound relevance. So we'll, we'll get into it. Charlie, so speaking of that, do you believe that there, there are no new ideas? Just repackaged old ones? No, not entirely. I mean, I think we, we, none of us who create, right, ever do it out of thin air. We, we always, uh, you know, in fact, it's something I've been focused on more recently of, of actually actively doing that, going out and before I produce something, doing explicit research and building that up and being able to reference it because I think it's important. Right? It gives, not only does it give more credibility when we produce that we can point to those that have come before us and we're referencing, but I think it's also healthy for us. I know it changes just even stuff that I think I know, like the back of my hand, going through this explicit process helps reshape that and reframe it. And so, no, I don't, I don't know that there's anything, well, I'm sure that somewhere some people smarter than probably you and me come up with genuinely never thought of before ideas. But for the most of us, we're building on what others have done, but that doesn't mean it's not new. It's, yes. you know, how you approach it, how you package it, how you address it, how you even use it. Sometimes it's taking a, a well-trodden idea, but applying it in a new way that can be very innovative in and of itself. Um, Charlie, just one thing with that before we, we jump into your ideas. I remember um, several years back with my younger daughter, I was uh, with her at the university that she was attending for the orientation. So before her freshman year started and the, the head of the curriculum for the school got up and he said, I want to read you all a letter. And uh, it said, you know, uh, these universities have never been more dangerous. They're full of uh, wild new ideas. The students are drunk. They don't pay attention. They disrespect their teachers. They don't finish their work. And, you know, I'm looking around, <laughs> both nodding and also sort of scared to death. Like, oh, my God, this is what I'm setting my kid into. And then after the guy reads a couple more sentences, he looks up and he said, he holds up the letter and he said, that was written in 1600. Uh, you know, so I, I think, um, you know, maybe I, I artificially lean on that a little bit today in these sort of troubled times we're in. Um, humans are pretty resilient. We've been through some tough times before. We are certainly in a tough time now, but I think we're going to get through it. And I was fascinated to see your thoughts on this notion of the sort of the new type of digital leader or the new ways in which digital leaders can really drive remarkable change today. So tell us a little bit about what's top of mind for you. 
Well, so like I said, this is actually what this whole process that I'll explain here in a moment, it brought me back to some very old ideas that I had been working on. So for those that don't know, long before I was doing webinars and speeches around the world and stuff, I, I ran large scale transformational programs. And before that, I was an IT guy running operations for a, a large healthcare firm. And as, as part of that process, I, you know, running large-scale transformation, it was really about all the organizational change elements. That's what I was focused on. And, and I did a bunch of work, actually wrote a bunch of stuff around that. And then my first book came out and it sort of, even though it was based on a lot of these same organizational change principles, it sort of took me in this other direction. Uh, and so recently I was doing this uh, wholesale rebuild of my website, right? So charlesraho.com, um, not to give the, myself the shameless plug, but you know, I was re reworking it all and, and really being critical of myself, just realizing, you know, as much as I help people with messaging and, and kind of getting this pointed message out of who's your customer and what is it they value, I'm looking through my stuff and realizing just how horrible of a job I had done in doing that, you know? And so it just sort of led me back down this road of, of the message we deliver. I mean, certainly from a marketing perspective, it's important, but I think it's just as important and maybe even more important when we're dealing with these, this idea of how do we change an organization and specifically how do we change the culture of an organization. And, uh, you know, a lot of the work that, that we've been following now, or the research we've been doing right now has been about this, this evolution of change and how technology is starting to change the nature of work. And there's no other way to look at that than that that is going to demand a massive cultural change. So it was just sort of this interesting aha about how this very old sort of part of my career came roaring back into my consciousness because it just, it's all intertwined. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, that always is a humbling thing, right? To look back at some of our own body of work and assess like uh, in some ways, um, you know, we can be good, uh, I think appropriately harsh critics of ourselves, but in some cases we look at it and say, wow, why didn't somebody kick me in the butt and get me to go, you know, sharpen what I'm doing? I had to listen to some of my own great advice sometimes. Yeah, no, exactly. And well, what was interesting is what sort of, like I said, I was going through this process with a website, but then we also have this podcast that uh, we're doing under the Institute for Digital Transformation. And we did this new one about the new digital worker, right? And, and the, the, the digital worker is a robot, a software robot in most cases now, and, and how there's this, a whole host of companies that are deploying this technology and they're licensing it as a worker. So just like you would hire a contact center agent, you can hire this virtual contact center agent. That's what this episode was about. And so we were just kind of riffing on how massive of a change this was going to be culturally as you sort of had this idea of a digital worker or a, you know, a robotic worker and a human worker working side by side. And how do you deal with all of those challenges and changes? This isn't just you know, installing a new ERP system. <laughs> And so it, it, it was just really kind of fascinating to recognize that if I, if I look sort of backwards and then try to project forwards, I think the changes that we're introducing into organizations going forward over the next five or 10 years are going to put so much stress on leaders to, to drive this change forward in a positive fashion. And that it's, that's going to be a major differentiator in those organizations that succeed versus those that don't on how well their leaders are able to transform the culture of their organizations because they're introducing so much change so quickly over this, these next few years. Charlie, I want to come back to that in a second and share with you an anecdote from a, a chief digital officer I spoke with the other day. But uh, first, I just want to offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. 
In a world that's changing faster than ever before, the biggest challenge for businesses is creating fabulous customer experiences. That objective requires actionable insights and real-time agility from one end of your business to the other. At BMC, they call this the autonomous digital enterprise, and they've put together a set of solutions to help you anticipate what's coming, adjust accordingly, and acknowledge those changes from end to end. To start your journey to the autonomous digital enterprise, visit bmc.com slash ADE. So, uh, Charlie, the other day I was speaking with uh, Bertrand uh, Bodson, who is the chief digital officer at Novartis. And Novartis is in uh, the midst of a massive transformation, the type you're describing. And so this guy, the chief digital officer, described his job. He said it is at least 50% cultural. And where he sees a huge part of his job is getting people engaged, showing them why it matters, showing them the results that can happen, showing them that if we, if we you know, uh, attack this change rather than letting, us, uh, letting it sort of back us into a corner out of fear, it, we can do remarkable things. So I'm really intrigued by this notion about you know, the, uh, the digital experience revolution, as you've described it, and this role of the digital leader, how do they begin to push these changes that are so vital in these times? You know, it's what I think is actually um, exciting about this is that it's going to usher in maybe this era of true leadership. And, and what I mean by that is, is so much of what we call leadership in the enterprise is really just it's management, right? That's mm-hmm. a lot of what it's about. And as we look to this type of change that you're describing, and, and, and this is going to apply across this massive swath of deploying these highly disruptive technologies into our organizations which, that is going to transform everything from our business models, our operating models, and how we work and manage and function, that it's, it's going to take a different type. You can't just manage this. You can't just deploy you know, the traditional approach of a project manager and, and here's this project apparatus and everyone is just going to follow along because this is going to be highly disruptive, not in a like a bad way, but as much as it is that it's going to require everyone to just look at this differently. So, so the, the, I think there's two big elements that, that uh, this is again, when it kind of all came back to roost here from my organizational change days is I would go in and tell the executives I was working with is that the very first thing is we need to craft a vision of the future that A, creates a sort of burning platform that people recognize we must change, that change isn't the option, right? We, we have to, we can't stand still. We have to make this change, but this can't be a vision that we hoist upon them. It has to be a vision that they share and that they can see themselves in because if that vision doesn't have a place for them, then they get scared and the minute we as humans get scared, then we go running for the hills and no change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is crafting this compelling vision for the future, which by the way is the same thing I tell technology companies when I work with them is that they need to be owning this vision. You mentioned BMC actually, I love what they're doing around um, their vision around it because that's exactly what they're trying to put out into the world, right? So as a digital leader, you need to be crafting that vision and then you need to be a master storyteller. So we used to have this um, process that we would work with the executives that that we're working with and and we would tell them it's, we called it the why this, why now story. And and it's just what it sounds like. You need to communicate this in a story arc that explains why this, what is the compelling thing that is happening today that forces all of us to change and why now? Why do we need to do this right now? You have to kind of create this urgency around it and then you put forth this vision of the future of where we're going 
And it was always fascinating because when, when the leaders we worked with sort of embraced this and did this well, it was always this kind of revelatory thing because I, ironically it creates empathy, it creates intimacy that suddenly the employees were like, oh, I get this now. Thank you for not just telling us what to do, but walking us down this path. And it, it's so it's, I think this is such a critical mandate. And like I said, something that I realized putting on my marketing hat, I was doing a, a horrible job at. So you can let me know. I'm hoping I did a little bit better in this next round on the website, but you know, it's hard to do. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking as you were describing that, Charlie, a couple of things. One is, in the, uh, the, the, the video series, Band of Brothers, uh, I remember in the real life interviews they did with some of the soldiers from that team, they all said the same thing about their leader. They said he would never ask anybody to do something that he wasn't, hadn't proven that he was willing to do. And they said in the most difficult or dangerous situations, he always went first. And yeah, when you describe I, this, this, empathy that people want to see to gets them out of being scared to wonder what's my role in this where are we headed what where are we going that 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 really dynamic and different type of leadership not dynamic about giving speeches but you know pulling others along with you you know it's very true and, and i think you know i sort of i had the luxury of when i was sort of growing up in it that i have done almost every single job in it just based on how my career happened to play out but frankly, that's almost impossible to do today, right? And certainly within the enterprise, it's almost impossible. So I, I don't want you know, people to think that, hey, unless you've done this job, you can't lead people because that's not really the case. And the technology and everything is changing so quickly anyway that that's not really relevant. But your, your point of being willing to go first and most importantly with is the critical message, right? That we are in this together, that we have to change, not... I am telling you to change. We have to change. And, you know, and so I think you've seen examples and there's, you know, the, the pandemic is actually in, in many cases separated the, the leaders from the wannabes. I think we have, you know, both positive and negative examples of those that, you know, took the pay cut first, took the, you know, did those things first where they communicated to their teams that, that it was a we, not a us and you. And I think that that it becomes critical. I think the challenge, though, is what you're pointing out is it's not it's not just what you say. The story, by the way, is critically important, but it has to be backed up by the action, right? And and I I also some people say, well, the words don't matter; it's only the action. And I don't actually believe that. I think the actions can be misinterpreted. So you need to have both. You need to be relentlessly focused on the story and the message, and then you need to walk the talk. You need to live it. And that's where it, you know, can be challenging when we're dealing with all this complexity and keeping that, that front and center as you're making the tactical day-to-day -day decisions. I, I used to call it true northing, of making sure you had this vision, you had it stuck up someplace where you were always looking at it and always remembering what you were really all about so that you don't, didn't make these tactical decisions or actions that would cause people to, to think, oh, this is just talk. Yeah, Charlie, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. But, you know, the point that actions are so important, but people say only the actions matter, the words don't. That might have been okay in a maybe in some ways a simpler or slower paced time where you could sit back and observe the actions and wait over a couple of quarters a year, see how they played out. I don't think that's possible today. And it also cuts against the grain of, I think, your core message here is it is we, not you or I. And that, um, 
not everybody's going to be able to see firsthand day to day, hour to hour, what actions leaders are taking. And if you want to get this end to end sense of change and a cultural shift, it's got to involve everybody as quickly as possible. So words without actions are empty, but actions without words can be, if not counterproductive, at least not as productive as these times call for. Absolutely. And I think the other element of that is that the leader has a very definitive role and I think it is shifting. So it used to be right in because it was management centric. It was all about making the decisions. I, you know, everything flows up. I get the input from around da, 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 and I, I make the decision that that's much less important for the leader today. What in fact, yet the, but the leader serves a very different and I would argue even more important role. And that is sort of the, um, the simplifier, and I don't mean to d diminish it, but the consolidator of all of these, this context, right? So the challenge, particularly in a large organization, is that, you know, I am a worker and I'm in, I know what I know. I know my little, my piece of the puzzle, right? And that may be an incredibly vital piece, but it's just one piece. And so it used to be that the way the leader, by making those decisions, would give me the dictate, okay, well, this is why you do your piece, go do it. Well, now it's, it's much more fluid than that. And so I need, as that worker, I need to understand the context of all the moving parts because no one can predict all the decisions that are going to have to be made. And so it's the leader's job to sort of assimilate all that and to translate it into this is, this is really what this cohesive vision is, this idea of that true north. It's a way for everyone to understand the complexity of all of this that's happening, that not only the complexity of the organization, but the complexity of the change, the directional idea of where we're trying to go so that I can interpret that in the context of whatever my specific job and function is. That's actually really hard to do. That idea of taking all of that complexity and simplifying and boiling it down so that everyone can grasp it almost instantly and then apply it to what they're doing insanely difficult right and so it, that's this is a hard hard work for a leader to do but that's why it's so vital to have the right kind of digital leader in this sort of role now yeah and charlie one example of that I, i'm going to ask you to dig into it a little bit more but um a few minutes ago you described and i think i'm getting this language right you said you can have a human being and a digital worker you know working side by side and Will there be cases where they are, in fact, literally working side by side, or is that a metaphorical side by side? Uh, that's well, it's metaphorical, at least now. So when we talk about robots, other than the industrial robots, we are we are still talking about a software robot, but they are working side by side in the context of a business process. We're seeing that today where the person, quote unquote, that hands me whatever it is I'm working on, that the last person to work on it was a computer, right? It was a robot that handed it to me and then I may do my piece and hand it to, to another robot or a piece of automation. So I think that that part is already happening. Um, you know, I've, I've got a buddy in Mexico who is going hardcore into the humanoid version of this where it's software embedded into physical robotics. I think we're going to increasingly see more of that. It's less prevalent now. But I, I do think what, what is interesting is it's, you know, if you move the, the movie iRobot, right? I think, I don't know exactly how close to that future we're going to actually end up. But this idea of non-human 
semi-autonomous beings, whatever we want to call them, performing functions that we're interacting with and working with on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know what point we cross that threshold where suddenly we view them as a coworker. I, I, I don't think it's happened yet. I don't think it's, that's the case today. I think it's still technology and it's automation, but I, I think it's just a matter of time when we eventually cross that threshold. And so as a leader today, I think one of the questions you need to be asking yourself is, how are you going to deal with managing that world? Yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to bring that up because, you know, your description a moment ago, Charlie, about, you know, uh, the leader's jobs to help uh, not try to um, explain away the complexity, but to cut through the complexity by giving a more real picture. What's the context here? How does this work? What does it mean to you who maybe you've, you've done this sort of work for a couple of decades and suddenly you are next to in one form or another or working in close collaboration with, you know, digital beings that, uh, so, you know, human to human interaction can be complex enough. You add in that other dimension and it will simplify it if it's all done properly and everybody understands sort of the way through it, but that's, that's not going to be a given. So uh, it, it, it's an extraordinary um, notion that you, you're cooking up here. And I really, you know, applaud you for jumping on this notion of the digital leadership of today is wildly different than what it would have been one or two or three years ago. Uh, well, you know, and I, and I think it's actually, if I had to bet, and I, I'm not a gambler per se, but if I had to, I'd bet that it's going to happen sooner than we think. So there's, I mean, I, I enjoy the fact that I'm talking to so many organizations that are just totally cutting edge right now. And I, I won't pretend to predict who's going to win, but you know, there's an organization that uh, that I, in fact, this podcast I'm talking about, we talked about this company called Inference Solutions, and they do this very human-sounding, um, sort of like what you would think of as an IVR, except it doesn't feel like an IVR at all. It feels like you're talking to somebody, right? It's amazing how that technology works. And then there's a company called IPSoft that has an agent called Emilia, which has a digital, but a humanoid kind of feel, and it can do all of these functions. There's another company called Unique, that is specializing, they, they would actually take you, they create a facsimile Bob Evans that you can then embed this technology into where it sort of acts. And, and you know, it sounds like a parlor trick until you hear them tell some of the stories of how one of the big financial firms cloned their chief investment officer to go and be able to extend their ability to, to customers who couldn't normally get just call up the phone and ask them a question, could now get online digitally and do this. And so it is, it is not a huge stretch to say, you start playing this out, whichever technology, whichever company it is, that at some point in, in a handful of years in the future, that this is a very real thing that we're dealing with from a, a management and leadership perspective. Charlie, you know, the, the work you're doing on this, I think is important. I, I'm sure a lot of people would like to understand it. Would you take a moment and just sort of walk us around the compass of the, the Charles Araujo uh, thought estate, you know, your website, the books, the speaker, tell us how, you know, how people can, can see what you've been thinking about. Oh, I love the shameless plug. I appreciate it. So, so my website is kind of the, the, the heart of it all. So Charles Araujo, A-R-A-U-J-O.com. And from there, you can get everything else. You can go to yourdigitalfuture.net, which is just sort of a jump link to uh, my newsletter, which is Your Digital Future, where I sort of dive into all of these and, and specifically around this idea of what does it mean to be a leader in this digital era? How do you make this transition both with yourselves and with your teams? 
um, to, around all of that. Uh, I, of course, also do, we're doing research under the banner of the Institute for Digital Transformation. I work as principal analyst with Intellix, so some of my writing and content is there. Uh, so, and, and I write for CIO Magazine, but I try to put everything I produce on my website so that that is sort of the, the central place where you can find it all and uh, including the podcast for the digital experience revolution it's sort of all there so that's the place to go yeah and uh, Charlie I thank you uh, that uh, good good contacts and good uh, assets I think for people to be able to check into to see more of what you're doing we've talked before about the the big word on the shirt that's over your left shoulder there the future and I want to mention sort of get a, a final thought from you here a little bit um, I cannot remember um, what year William Gibson published the book Neuromancer, but uh, I know very early in that book, he taught, it, it has to be 20 years ago, it could be more like 25. But very early in the book, he talks about a merger of Mitsubishi and Genentech. And I remember at the time, people said, wow, this is really science fiction. I mean, that's nuts. Why would anybody ever do that? Yet we are going to start seeing these sort of combinations, not just of human worker and digital worker, but company to company in ways I think, and as you said a minute ago, this is gonna happen sooner than we probably think. So these big changes that you've described here, I, I agree, I think this is gonna happen fast and it's the companies and leaders who are prepared for those on a cultural basis as well as an execution basis that are gonna be the winners. Would you agree? Absolutely. And as part of that, you talk about the shirt. So the, the shirt, I don't know if we've ever talked about it. It says future and it says history teaches that the, the future is still lost in the past. And, and what that really means is the, the greatest thing, particularly in this time that inhibits us, is our inability to truly imagine a new future. Because no matter what we do, we are anchored to that past, right? We, we draw these lines from our past and think that it, our future is just gonna be a little bit different, which by the way, is normally the case. But the challenge for right now is that we are dealing with exponential change. So when, you know, when my first book came out and I started traveling the world speaking, people started calling me a futurist and I, I, it really scared me at the beginning because it's like, I, I don't know what the future is. <laughs> I, even, I even bought a crystal ball and I would carry it around on stage and you know, hold it up. But what I came to realize is that a futurist isn't someone who knows the future. A futurist is someone who is in a continual exploration about the future. And that's what I encourage every digital leader to be. They need to be a futurist. They need to be someone who is continually asking themselves, what might the future hold? How might these innovations or these changes impact the world, impact my organization, impact my own future and career, and how can I then prepare for those potential eventualities? And it doesn't matter if you're right. Going through that process will ensure that you are always preparing for what's coming next, and you're going to be much better off than those that sit back holding on, thinking, this too shall pass. Yeah. Well, Charlie, I love what you said. You know, it's, it's the doing of that. It's tackling that exercise. And uh, being active about that and jumping into it. Everybody's going to be wrong somewhere along the way. That's what, you know, the Novartis CEO Bertrand Bodson said the other day. He said, he said, everybody says, oh, we don't mind failures. He said, but actually, he said, people do mind failures. It's how well you embrace the outcome of the failure. You didn't get the exact thing you wanted, but you quickly pivoted. You tried some else. You learned things along the way. 
and you pushed that idea into the culture that we're moving into places nobody's ever been before. Anybody who thinks they know exactly what's going to happen is wrong. Anybody who thinks that, uh, you know, it's going to be like it was in the past is wrong. So get everybody comes in a place. We're going to dive into this together. But, uh, you know, if, if we, we keep our uh, uh, elbows locked here and, and tight together with everybody, we can do this. It's a, it's a fascinating theme, Charlie. And thank you so much for raising this today. It's always a pleasure having these conversations with you, Bob. All right, Charlie, thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you next month on Cloud Wars Live and to all of you who are taking some of your valuable time to spend with us here. We're very grateful to you as well. Enjoy the final few weeks of summer and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon here at Cloud Wars Live.